following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. A reading from God's Word, John 14, 15 to 31. If you love me, you will keep my command, commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, but it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all these things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. You have heard me say to you, I am going away, and I will come to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you. For the ruler of the world is coming. He has no claim on me. But I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Howard. Good morning, downtown church. I want to welcome those of you who are visiting with us. Uh, maybe it's your first, second, or third time. Um, you say yes to that text message from your friend or family member. Thank you again for joining us. And also, if this is your first time or you've been with us for the past several weeks, every week, perfect attendance. We got an award waiting on you. Not really. Um, if you've been with us every week, we are still continuing in our series in the Gospel of John. And God used John to intentionally record uh, various accounts, uh, conversations, miracles of Jesus for one particular purpose. And that purpose is so that we might know God, know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But I know for all of us, you, you, you probably woke up this morning. You probably got a lot of words or uh, different people's words, different thoughts in your mind right now. And you may be a little distracted. My prayer is that we all came to hear from what I believe is the most important voice, which is God himself, because God is still speaking to us. 
And God's word brings healing, it brings life, and it brings hope. So with that in mind, I want to just encourage us just to take a moment of silence to prepare ourselves to hear from God. Father, thank you for speaking to us. And I do pray that by your grace, you would remove the distractions from our hearts and our minds so that we can hear from you. But not only hear from you, God, but be transformed by your living and eternal word. God, thank you for meeting us in this place. And I pray we will see you for who you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said together, amen. As I mentioned before, we are still continuing in our series in John's gospel. And last week, Richard actually walked us through John chapter 14, verses 1 through 14. And it was this context by which Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And there was this real sense of anxiety and, and fear that the, the disciples were feeling from Jesus' words saying, hey, I'm about to leave you guys soon. And so like a good shepherd that Jesus is, Richard reminded us that Jesus left his disciples with a promise of comfort. He tells them that he's going to re- go and prepare a place for them a mansion with many rooms for all his children to come and to dwell with him. And if you are like the disciples, we can kind of put ourselves in their position as we're hearing these words of comfort. You probably say, okay, that, that does bring some solace. Okay, we, we see the end in mind that we will eventually meet you again. But you might be asking, okay, Jesus, what about until we get there? I know what's going to happen at the end, But what about until we get to the end? And that's where we find ourselves this morning in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 31. Jesus shares another promise of comfort to his disciples. He said that the Father would send a helper, a comforter for them to guide them on this journey as they make their way into glory. And if If we take that into mind, we can have confidence and there's a certainty that God would not abandon his children as orphans. That is good news today. You might be feeling alone. Friends and family members might have turned their backs on you for whatever reason. But God has made a promise that he would never leave his children alone. He wouldn't leave us as orphans. And I want to submit to us our main idea for this morning for our text, and that is God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to help us live for him and for us to have confidence in his eternal presence. God the Father sent the Holy Spirit to help us live for him and so that we may have confidence in his eternal presence. 
And with that main idea in mind, I, I want us to see how the Holy Spirit, he helps us to know God. Secondly, I want us to see how the Holy Spirit, he, he empowers us to live for God, to love God. And lastly, I want us to see how the Holy Spirit, he gives us peace even in the times of trouble. First, we see in our text that the Holy Spirit, he gives us the perception to know God. My question for you is, do you know the spirit of truth? Do you know the Holy Spirit? We're very familiar with God the Father, right? We're very familiar with God the Son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's all kind of texts and scriptures that talks about God the Father. It talks about God the Son. But we at times forget, maybe we have a weak understanding, of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit himself. We ain't alone. The disciples, they needed a deeper understanding of who the Spirit is, especially in this moment of fear, in this moment of anxieties. But Jesus reassures them in verse 16, he said, the Father will send another helper when he departs. Most translations use the word advocate instead of helper. And that word advocate, it, it has legal language. It, 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 it means the person who comes alongside of someone and provides aid. Or the advocate can be someone who pleads on the behalf of another person. I don't see Phil Harvey in here, but uh, he's in the back. We have brothers and sisters who are in the legal field, right? So that language y'all know very well. And if you're not in the legal field, maybe you have gone through some kind of legal process and having the right advocate really matters, right? Am I, amen? Having the right advocate to plead on your behalf, to come alongside of you and give you aid, it matters. And that preaches to us today that Jesus said he sent another advocate for us. In other words, Jesus may not be here physically that we can, we can touch him and, and hold him, maybe see those pierced hands, but he's definitely here with us spiritually. In fact, God has always been with his people by his spirit from the beginning. You remember Genesis chapter 1, the creation account. The spirit is hovering over the world. The spirit is, he's a creative God. We also see in Exodus, when God's people are going through the wilderness, through exile, it is God's presence by his spirit that's leading his people through the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And if we move our way in the Old Testament, you think about the prophets, you think about the judges. These individuals were, were, were used, they were, they were inspired, they were controlled by God himself. And the Spirit, the Spirit has always been in our midst. But it's one thing, it's one thing to hear those things. I, I, I think I'm tracking with you, Pastor. It's one thing to read about the Spirit and His activity, but it's a completely different thing to actually know Him. If you look with me in verse 17, Jesus says, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him 
nor knows him. Jesus is saying to us today that it's impossible for any of us to truly know the spirit unless he does a work in us. It's impossible for us to truly know God unless the spirit does a work inside of us. You're probably asking the question, why do we need a work done inside of us? Because we have a problem. That problem is sin. Even from the beginning, you can look at a child. You don't have to teach a child to be disobedient. <laughs> it's the opposite. It's in our nature. We have an issue. I'm originally from St. Louis. Growing up, shout out St. Louis. I see you, Neil. Shout out to St. Louis. Um, I'm originally from St. Louis, and, and growing up, I played, I dabbled in sports. I'm not an athlete like Sir Gregory, um, but I tried, you know. <laughs> no, but baseball was like my sport, right? So I, I fell in love with baseball at a young age. And I remember in high school, my sophomore year, I got caught up to varsity. And that really happens in my high school. So I'm like, okay, they calling me up to varsity? So I was fooling myself, y'all. I'm just being transparent. So I remember being caught up to varsity, and I was very dedicated. I was locked in. I really wanted to, to sharpen my craft and, and to be disciplined and show the coaches y'all didn't make a mistake by bringing up this sophomore to play on varsity. I played catcher. And I remember this particular game, I really wasn't feeling it. I was off. My teammates were off, and it was just one of them games. There was a pot fly, and I saw the ball in the sky, and I ran full speed to make a play. Little did I know, my third baseman was running full speed as well in the same direction to make a play. I dove for the ball, and we collided. Next thing you know, I woke up in an ambulance going down uh, the highway to the uh, hospital, jersey drenched in blood, eye completely swole shut, head throbbing. I fall back off conscious, and I wake back up, and I'm in the hospital room. My mama in my bedside, my coach is in my bedside. I'm like, what just happened? They said, Artez, you had a concussion. I said, okay, I, I feel that. Um, they said, Artez, you actually fractured your eye socket. I was like, wow. So two weeks would go by, I recovered from the concussion. My swelling in my eye went down, but my vision was still blurred in my right eye. So I went back to the eye doctor, and I told him, I said, hey, my vision hadn't completely recovered in my right eye. He said, Let's get some more tests done. He came back. He said, Ortez, I have some bad news. He said, you have traumatically and severely damaged your optic nerve. And a healthy optic nerve is actually a reddish color. But a damaged optic nerve is actually a gray color. I say, okay, that's not the best news. But what about operation? I say, I'm sorry, Ortez. It's one of them things that we cannot operate on. In fact... It'll actually probably do worse damage if we try to operate. I said, all right, that's a new reality that I have to adjust to. I'm 15 years old. This is a lot to take in. I began to live my life differently. And in my, my right eye, my vision was completely distorted, even to this day. And I'm not sharing that story for sympathy by any means. I, I've learned to, to deal with it. I've, I adjusted it. When I get to glory, I get two new eyes, perfect eyes. But I'm, but I'm sharing that story to say this. I would much rather have a distorted physical vision than have a distorted spiritual vision. 
And all of us, as I alluded to earlier, we're born with spiritual distorted vision because of sin. And because of that, we can't see God rightly. We can't live for God rightly. We can't see each other rightly. We can't see ourselves rightly. We have a distorted perception of God. But there is a surgeon. (laughs) There is a surgeon who is the Holy Spirit who makes dead things alive. And it is the, the Father plan that he has set before eternity passed to send the Son to accomplish that plan through his death, through his burial, his resurrection. And it was the Spirit, the Spirit that applies that grace, that miraculous work that Jesus did so that we may have life. So, brothers and sisters, I want to ask you, where is your vision today? I want to ask you, do you know the spirit of truth? You may be saying, Ortez, I, I, I think I do. I, I don't have this, this dramatic testimony when one day I was spiritually blind and the next day I had spiritual sight. That's okay. In fact, that's my prayer for my kids, that they would never know a day that they didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. But some of us do have that drastic testimony. But regardless where you fall on that spectrum, the question is today, where is your life? Are you leaning on the Lord Jesus Christ, his works for your salvation? Not only that, if someone looked at your life, can they see a pattern? Can they see evidences of Christ living inside of you? See, the Bible gives us the evidence It's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. If someone was to follow you for three weeks straight, perhaps, 24-7, can they see a pattern, not perfection, hear me now, not perfection, but a pattern of those things. If Christ is living inside of you, you, you will bear resemblance of him. If he's that good, if, he, if he's that powerful by his spirit, you will not look the same. Do you know the spirit of truth? Because it is the spirit of truth who gives us the perception to know God. Secondly, our text teaches us that it is the Holy Spirit that gives us the power to love God and obey God. Look with me if you still got your Bibles open over the screen. Verse 21, Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. So just a reminder, if y'all still tracking with the context, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his physical absence. So he's giving them a charge. I'm leaving. I'm sending a helper. But continue to live for me. Continue to follow me faithfully. Continue to live out all that I have taught you. But there is a new reality that when the Spirit takes residence 
in your heart, it's the spirit that makes us alive. It's, it's the spirit that gives us uh, the ability, the desire to want to love God. I got a testimony, y'all. 18 years of my life, I did not have the desire to love God. <laughs> it was the complete opposite. I can care less about God unless I needed him. But something changed. <laughs> something changed in me in 2007 when I knelt down on my knees in Towers East, room 308, and I cried out to the Lord. I don't know if that was the exact time the Spirit came in my heart, but at some point he came into my heart. And I was doing things differently. My mom was looking at me like, Tez, you different. <laughs> my friends were looking at me like, who are you? I was still the same Martez, but it was somebody who was living in me. He was living through me. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't say, hey, love me, keep my commandments. And he just walked away. He didn't give us any assistance. I'm grateful that he did. He does now gives us assistance how to love him. I mean, think about it. Any friendship or relationship attempting to, to, to love someone is difficult when you don't know how to love that person. Okay, maybe I'm alone. Um, any friendship or relationship is difficult to love someone without assistance, without them telling you how to love them. We have that same disposition towards God. I mean, right now, think about it. Are you trying to love God on your own? Or are you trying to love and obey God without his assistance, his instruction, his direction? It's not sustainable. There's no joy in that at all. But it's the spirit who knows the mind of God. It's the spirit who guides us to know how to love him, to know the things that he hates, to know the things that he loves, that gives us that, the vision to reorient our lives, to adjust our lives to his will, to say, not my will be done, but your will be done. Paul, he reminded us that it's the spirit who helps us to love God in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul says, For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. It's the spirit that helps us live a life that's pleasing to God. We need the spirit. We need the spirit because our flesh is a battle. I want y'all to help me out. Finish this phrase. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Y'all, very familiar phrase, right? Biblical even. But so many times it can become like a cute phrase we kind of throw around. We underestimate the power of, of the spirit, we underestimate the power of our flesh. You may be saying, Pastor, I hear you, man. You don't have to overly convince me that my flesh is weak. And as I'm speaking to y'all, I'm speaking to myself. But there are some of us, you probably find yourself experiencing the weakness of your flesh. You think it right now. Yeah, I probably need to be, I probably need to stop watching 
because it's not good for my spirit. I probably need to stop listening to because it's not helpful for my spirit. Some of you guys probably thinking, you know what? In the past, most recently, my mouth has been primarily used to spill the tea, (laughs) a.k.a. gossip, (laughs) more than spilling encouragement or spilling nothing at all. (laughs) We know the weakness of our flesh. We're trying to love our neighbor as ourselves, but instead we, we manipulate certain relationships and friendships for selfish gain. Sometimes we give in to our flesh. We can no longer see people the way God sees people because we judge people only based on the neighborhoods they're from, based on what, what schools they send their, their children to, based on their external appearance, based on who they voted for. We know how strong the, the flesh can be. You're probably thinking, I hear you. I'm not pleased the way I've been living. I'm not pleased by my thoughts. I'm not pleased by the motives of my heart and the, the deeds towards my brother or my sister. I'm not pleased because I know God isn't pleased. But let me offer you a sense of encouragement from God himself in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2. Please hear this, y'all. If you don't hear any other good news for the rest of the day, please hear this. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life, you hear that spirit language? The law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Do you know the context of it? The context is coming off of Paul, the apostle Paul who wrote majority of the New Testament. And there's this battle that he's having. Man, I want to do the things that God wants me to do, but I don't do them. The things I'm not supposed to do, I'm doing them. And he's just going back and forth. He says, who would deliver me from this wretched body? Then he says, thanks be to Christ. He goes in to this wonderful news. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Because it's the spirit who did a work on our behalf. It's the spirit who's still working in us so that we can have the ability to say no to the flesh and say yes to the spirit. God's given us his word about all kind of areas in our lives. How we're supposed to steward our money. How we're supposed to use our mouth, our words. How we're supposed to engage in justice and service and hospitality. He's given us instructions to live for him. The question is, are you obeying? Are we orient our lives and submitting to his leading to feed the spirit and to starve the flesh? My prayer is for all of us that we would say yes to the spirit every single time. Yes, Holy Spirit. Yes, God. Yes. I came across... A great word, but it's a warning against habitually rejecting the Spirit's leading. It's from Bible teacher and author Priscilla Shire. She says, the more we ignore that conviction from the Spirit, the quieter the voice will come. 
Not because he's no longer speaking, but because we have built a callus of disobedience. It's better to obey to keep those airways clear so that our disobedience won't muffle his voice. Some of us are in a season where we head down that road of creating that callus of disobedience because we want to stiff arm the spirit. He's trying to lead us to flourishing, to life. Sister Shire said, let us not practice those habits so we can keep our airways open. And so what does that mean, to keep our airways open? God has given us instruments. He's given us means of grace to help us become more and more familiar with obeying him and loving him. What do I mean by means of grace? His holy word. As I said in the beginning, God is still speaking to us words of life, words of liberation. We have his commandments not to restrict us, not to hinder us from having fun, quote unquote, but his word is for, for us to have life. Hold on to his word. Drink from his word. Eat his word. Meditate on his word. Whether that's individually, but corporately. As we come week to week hearing his word being preached. Another way is prayer. I believe where there is much prayer, there is typically much dependence upon God. And the same is true on the contrary, where there is lack of prayer, typically there's a lack of dependence upon God. How do you expect any relationship to flourish if you're not spending time with that person? God invites us to speak to him, to lay our petitions upon him, to pray his word back to him. This is his means to, to strengthen us as we are on this journey day by day because it's a battle, y'all. It's a battle within, and it's definitely a battle from without. There are unseen forces right now that are in place. Satan is busy, but you know what? The God of hosts, he's busy too, and we know how the story's going to end. As we look at the, 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 the sacraments, we look at the table, examine those elements. Think about what they're communicating. That it was a covenant God who left visible expressions of his covenant love towards his covenant people. And what he's communicating is, you're weak, but I'm strong. You're faithless, but I'm faithful. And as we take these elements, it's not just a thing to do, to get a little bread, a little bit of grape juice to hold you over till you get to lunch or brunch. No, but God is spiritually present within these elements to strengthen us on this journey as we remember what he has done for us. How different would our community look if these habits we devoted ourselves to these habits and we took hold of God's means of grace. How different would our community look? How different would our impact be in our jobs, in our schools, our communities, our cities? 
Not that we're better than anybody, but that there, there is a God who has instructed us. There is a God who's, who's with us and he's transforming us, not for just our sake, but for the sake and the good of other people. Brothers and sisters, it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to love and obey God. And lastly, I want us to see in our text, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us peace even in times of trouble. Verse 27, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus didn't hide the fact that there will be trouble in our lives. In fact, this, this trouble has been foreordained according to God's perfect counsel, that we would encounter difficult seasons, that we would encounter trials. It ain't easy. I'm not saying just welcome a, a, a tough and a miserable life. But God is reminding us through the Lord Jesus Christ, this will be our lives, but we're not left without hope. We're not left without peace. So Jesus reassures his disciples, peace, I leave with you. He says, my peace, not the peace that the world can give. There is counterfeit peace that I believe we could be tempted to settle for. You know, trying to manifest Good vibes and positive energy is not the true peace that Jesus is referring to. The absence of stress and danger doesn't always mean that's the true peace that Jesus is referring to. Think about it. We got brothers and sisters here now, especially our brothers and sisters who are worshiping on the other side of the world, not in public, but underground, have to whisper, have to sing in silence because their lives are in danger for professing the Lord Jesus Christ. And those brothers and sisters experience a peace that we probably would never experience at the comforts that we, that we typically have. And so I want to caution us, caution us against settling for counterfeit peace. Jesus offers a peace that surpasses all understanding, even in trouble. Even when we get that phone call. I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters. This peace can be experienced even after losing your job unexpectedly and the bills begin to pile high and you wondering how you're going to make ends meet to, to feed your family. For my brothers and sisters who are in junior high and high school, this peace is for you as you find yourself dealing with the, the daily pressures, the peer pressure, the, the stressors of trying to be the coolest, the most attractive, the smartest, the most athletic, and you face with that anxiety. God, I want to be faithful to you, but sometimes it's at the expense of trying to be the coolest. This peace is for you. Jesus leaves us with the peace that comes by his spirit. And this peace is rooted in the truth that Jesus, he rules all things. That Jesus will reconcile all things unto himself. And this is that peace that anchors our souls, that anchors our hearts 
in our mind. So whatever you're going through right now, God doesn't waste any season. He doesn't waste any trial. And he's reminding us, even to this day, peace I give you despite your circumstances. But let us not ignore that those things are painful. Those things are stressful. Sometimes we do lose sleep over those things. But Jesus offers us a peace that the world can't give. I want to close with the illustration. I heard of a story about these painters. They were in this contest, and they were asked to paint a picture of peace. And one painter painted this beautiful sunset on these still waters as the sun was going down. It had this very calming effect, kind of at the beach. And there was this second painter. This second painter had a, a painting of a sky with dark clouds. It was thunder and, and lightning. And there were waves of water that were violently smacking against these rocks. And there was these two big rocks. And in between these rocks, there was this bird. And if you look a little closely, you can see the bird is actually singing. That, brothers and sisters, is real peace. It's the peace of being aware that is God's calmness that overrules our concerns, that overrules our anxieties. And let me just remind y'all, if, if the bird could be confident <laughs> in the peace of God, even in the midst of a storm, how much more are you, his beloved sons and daughters? Do you know this peace? Do you know this spirit? I pray that you won't wait any longer. This is something that we can't do within ourselves. This is something that he is more than capable of doing. You bring your mess to him. He's powerful. He can change you and make you alive, have life in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you sent an advocate because we desperately need your help. Thank you for advocating Christ on our behalf before the Father. And because of that, we are made right in his sight. But I pray, I pray that we would say yes. Holy Spirit, you have been chasing and pursuing certain people, and I pray that they will stop. It's an exhausting journey running from you. But God, when you do stop us, we surrender so much life and freedom to be experienced. So I pray that we would be transformed, God. And as we Seek day by day to live faithfully to you and to say yes to the Spirit every single time and no to the flesh. And it's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said together, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, y'all, for leading us in worship. Blessed assurance, we, we have assurance by the Spirit. When we first believe he, he sealed us. Everything that was promised in Christ, the Holy Spirit seals. God seals something. That seal can't be broken. And that is our assurance. Extend your hand and receive the Lord's benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Amen.